I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Terry, Managing Editor of Biz New Orleans Magazine, and I'm so excited to kick off our new Biz Talks podcast by welcoming our first guest, Quentin Messer, who serves as President and CEO of the New Orleans Business Alliance, which is a public-private partnership dedicated to economic development within the city of New Orleans. Since he accepted his current role in 2015, Quentin has been a fairly frequent site in Biz New Orleans Magazine and was named one of our Business People of the Year for 2019. Um, in recognition of the work he's doing to address disparity and make the economy work for all New Orleanians. Um, welcome, Quentin. We're so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much. Uh, and I just want to thank uh, you and your team at Biz New Orleans and Todd and everybody at Renaissance Publishing for what you do uh, for not only New Orleans, but the entire um, Southeast Louisiana region. So thank you. And I'm honored to be here. Oh, great. We're excited. Um, as an economic development organization that exists in partnership with the city of New Orleans, I have lots of questions to ask you. There's so much going on right now. Indeed. Um, so NOLA BA focuses on four areas, um, which we've covered before in the magazine, but I wanted to kind of get those out there. And that's business attraction and retention and talent and workforce development and small business growth and strategic neighborhood development. So I was going to ask you first off if you would mind maybe bragging a little bit about some of the the biggest successes that your organization has had in those areas. No, thank you. It's 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 kind of hard to think back pre-COVID um, nineteen. I'll tell you, <laughs> um, but in in business attraction and retention, I'll do one in each. Um, okay. In business attraction and retention, uh, we were very instrumental in making sure that DXC technology. Uh, relocated in New Orleans. DXC Technology is the largest uh, announced economic development win in New Orleans, not only New Orleans history, but Louisiana history. Um, so our team was very involved with GNO Inc. and LED in securing that. And that's a big part of diversification of our local economy, which I think COVID-19 is, has shown us that we need to further accelerate and the urgency of that. Um, the second thing for talent and workforce development, uh, we have been, I, I think I would give a two for there. We are really creating a, I would say an end-to-end suite of services, information for job seekers ranging from those with GEDs to those with MD, PhDs. Um, so 504 forward is a part of the New Orleans Business Alliance umbrella. We have worked with four opportunity centers um, to deploy the, the, the nationally renowned Strive International curricular, curriculum for adult um, job candidates. So that's what we've done in there. The, the one I would mention for small business growth, we've worked very closely in partnership with Tulane University, um, Xavier University of Louisiana, and J.P. Morgan Chase to create the Invest NOLA program where 13 entrepreneurs of color have uh, spent six months getting executive education, 
um, from faculty at Tulane and Xavier as they um, grow to their businesses from 800,000 in revenue. Some of them have 800,000, some have um, 5 million in revenue, but the, the, the opportunity and the desire is to see them grow three or four times on the basis of getting this executive coaching and executive education. Um, and all that's free of charge. The only charge for them was their time. And then the last thing, strategic neighborhood development, we realized that there are certain parts of uh, New Orleans that have not grown or experienced the undeniable economic progress that's happened in our city over the last decade. And so we've been very intentional to really focus on Algiers, New Orleans East, Gentil parts of Gentilly, places, Girttown, Holly Grove, Mid-City, places that may not have always felt as if they were really participating in the un, um, undeniable growth that's happening in our city. So are those what you'd call opportunity zones? Is that what that falls under? Great question. Opportunity zones are a little different. So opportunity zones were um, federally designated census tracts that are uh, uh, that have been designated. Um, there are 25 of them in New Orleans, and those opportunity zones are based upon income levels. The strategic neighborhoods um, overlap with that, but one of the things that's very interesting is in New Orleans East, for example, you have a very affluent upper middle class African-American population there. But there aren't necessarily the type of amenities that you would necessarily associate with a highly affluent or mm -hmm. upper middle class area. The same could be said for Gentilly. So what I mean by that is the need for entertainment, retail amenities, things of that nature. That doesn't necessarily mean, for example, you would have um, Eastover would not be in an opportunity zone in New Orleans East, nor, nor would Algiers Point. But there's a clear need for those neighborhoods to have um, amenities uh, commiserate with the type of income that you see uh, resident there, if that makes any sense. No, it does, yeah. Um, I wanted to go back a little bit to the small business part of what you guys do. Um, you've talked before about the importance of small business to New Orleans, that, that most people are employed by small and medium-sized businesses here, and that small business is the single uh, biggest employment engine for our economy. Um, in the situation we're all in now, small businesses are also the ones that are really, really struggling. Um, what is NOLA VA um, providing some support on that end to those people? Great question. Um, I would say we're providing support in a, a number of ways. I think one, just accurate information, because there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation, um, because there's a lot, I mean, we're, we're literally as a nation building this plane as we fly it. There's never been right. this, this much money dispersed through the Small Business Administration. Um, so one is information. Second, we are working with the city of New Orleans on ways to make sure that um, technical assistance providers such as Good Work Network or Launch NOLA or the Small Business Development Centers um, can have greater capacity to help more and more businesses process their loan documentation. So there are things that, that will be announced um, that we're doing. 
Uh, we're also um, working with a, a, a generous uh, anonymous local business to provide some evergreen uh, bridge financing in a very limited way as a test case. So we believe in sort of rapidly prototyping piloting programs that maybe could then be augmented at scale. And then the final thing is um, um, on Friday, um, April 24th at 10 a.m., there's a free um, seminar that the Business Alliance is putting on with Baker Donaldson Law Firm and Gulf Coast Bank uh, to help them, uh, to help answer questions that small businesses may have about EP, uh, PPP or the uh, emergency injury um, disaster loan and any other products that may be coming from SBA. Okay. When you talk about, you mentioned bridge financing. I'm not as, uh, yeah. what is that? Yeah. So what I mean by that is what we're finding is a lot of businesses have applied for the, the payroll protection um, program financing mm-hmm. or the uh, emergency injury disaster loan, but those loans aren't instantaneously. There's a time period from you, you, you get your, your loan in, you get it improved to when, you re- to when you receive it. And so what we've tried to do in a very limited way um, on a very selected pilot basis is how do you provide bridge financing? How do you give people five to $10,000 grants that will bridge them until they get the PPP loan or the emergency in, uh, injury disaster loan? Does, does, does that make sense? Yeah. So where so if you were going to do something like that, does that come from NOLA BA? Or are you looking for people to kind of fund that? Or? Well, um, we, we were very fortunate that an anonymous business um, granted the Business Alliance um, um, 100000 to pilot it. So it's not something okay. that is the, the corpus of the money isn't big enough um, to distribute. But we're doing in a selected pilot way just to see whether this is something that we could scale more broadly. Okay. Um, and then kind of on that note, you guys, I know um, you were the one of the first ones that we heard from as far as setting up funds, um, I think as early as uh, the 16th, maybe in March, it was really early on. Yes. Um, that you set up uh, the fund for the gig economy workers. And those would be like workers that, or like rideshare drivers, musicians, festival production staff, people that, you know, are not a part of a, a typical company and don't receive all of those benefits, but they make up, um, you guys had said as of 2017, more than 8% of the workforce in New Orleans um, parish. Yes. And that was initially, you guys started that out with 100,000 from NOLA BA, and then that was quickly matched by Gail Benson, which was awesome. Yes. Um, and then when we checked up with you guys, you had received um, about 1,000 applicants in the first 24 hours for that. Um, yeah. what's, so what's happened with the, the Gig Economy Fund? Yeah, thank you for asking about it. So we've been very gratified. Uh, we have raised close to $800,000 in total. Um, oh, wow. Uh, and your goal was five. Our it? goal, our initial goal was half a million. Uh, we, we are grateful to have gone past that. Baptist Community Ministries came in with $100,000 to match Mrs. Benson and match the Business Alliance. Um, national uh, funders have come, come in big. Um, local businesses like WWL Television, Gulf Coast Bank, um, have, have come in. So uh, we're very gratified. But the most gratifying about that is um, 
John and Jane Q. Public in New Orleans contributed nearly $50,000. Oh, wow. Um, so that's New Orleanians who are feeling the, punch, the pinch economically, helping their friends and neighbors, which is truly gratifying. Um, and, and, you know, and now we have over 1,700 um, plus applicants. So we've paused receiving and accepting new applicants. We want to process um, everyone that's already in the queue. We want to make sure that we try. We're, our goal is to try to get all the money out on the street um, by the end of this month, at worst, um, early next month. Okay. And then what's the, what would be an average um, that people would get? $500. $500. So it's, okay. it's, everybody gets $500. That's, um, oh, so okay. that's the way that we hope to stretch the dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it'll pivot a little bit. Um, there's been with everyone, everybody, I, I think in the business community and just not in the business community has been, uh, scared and frustrated and and this has kind of been a really trying time that like you said has has never been has never happened before and there's no way that anybody could have prepared for it um and some of that frustration we've had um like the jefferson chamber president uh todd murphy did a letter that was criticizing the mayor and saying that that um the city festival when she said the city festival should be canceled for the remaining of the year and um, he said that it would set the region's recovery back by weeks or months and asked her to communicate or collaborate with neighboring parishes before making big statements. And then a few days later, you had four local businessmen take out a, a big full page ad in the Advocate Times pick um, calling for the city to ease restrictions two weeks earlier, which would be May 1st, and um, claiming that the canceling of those festivals would, quote, irreparably damage, if not destroy the French Quarter and the tourist industry and most business in general. Um, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Do you think that's true? Do you think that if we if we do, I mean, they've been canceled since then. Um, do you think that is going to cause um, irreparable damage to this area? Absolutely not. Um, I know, Todd, um, I, I, you know, I don't want to Monday, Monday morning quarterback anyone. That's just not fair. No. But I, what I will say is, uh, it will absolutely not cause irreparable harm. Uh, the mayor made the exact right call. And, and the other piece that I think people really need to understand, I think this is a bit of nuance that was lost. There are a lot of festivals that were going to cancel already. Right. Whether the mayor said, we're still open for business, they were going to cancel. Um, so right. I think what we, we need to collectively, and that's one reason why we're working very hard with the, with the business council and with the administration as, as the New Orleans Business Alliance to really get a, a, uh, a mayoral um, task force and committee focusing on reopening economy. Because it has to be done in a regionally cooperative way. It has to be done mm -hmm. such that uh, retail and restaurants, those industries that are, that are almost impossible to really have social distancing and are premised on socialization, um, we need to make sure that we, are, we do that constructively. Look, I, I get it. No one wants to get the economy back going and, 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 and relieve the suffering more than me. And I don't want to speak for Madam Mayor because she can speak better than anyone for herself, but I know she deeply wants that to happen. But the most important thing, the one thing that you can always earn money, you can always 
gain money, you can't regain life. And I right. think that we have to be thoughtful about public health, and we also have to be thought about making sure that we communicate to not only those folks inside of New Orleans or Louisiana, but nationally and internationally, that we've taken all proper precautions and are exercising all possible um, best in practice um, new public health infrastructure protocols to make sure that we can um, reduce transmission and also address and quickly move if there were um, to be tragically retransmission. And, and so, yeah, and part of that letter um, from Todd Murphy was, was calling on the mayor to rely on expert advice from business and industry leaders. Um, so th tell me a little bit about how you guys are doing that, because you are part of a, a council for the mayor that's aimed at doing just that, right? Right. Um, I, I would think it would be a little bit premature. Um, the, I, would, I would say that the mayor has been very thoughtful um, okay. in making sure that a diverse, inclusive, and thoughtful set of public health officials, um, business leaders, um, um, members from the faith and deaf care community, folks from the mental health community, among other different sectors, are really coming, will be coming together, thinking about and providing counsel to her as to how um, and responsibly the New Orleans economy can reopen. I just want to go and ahead, it, please. Does that include members from other parishes, neighboring parishes? That 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 that, that, that is for the mayor to determine. At, at, uh, oh, I, okay. I don't I don't know. Um, I think oh, okay. at, at this stage there will be regional, um, uh, obviously cooperation and discussion. Uh, I serve on a re, a resilient. Uh, Louisiana Commission subcommittee. I'm a uh, task force member for the Louisiana Legislature's Restart um, Louisiana Economic Task Force. So there will definitely be coordination at the regional and state level on whatever the mayor decides to officially announce and stand up. Okay. And uh, so we're seeing, um, you know, some neighboring states already making efforts to to open is that is that a concern i you know let me say this um my focus is on new orleans um and right. and, and 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 louisiana um you know my thoughts and prayers are are nationally with our friends and neighbors and also internationally as all of us are dealing with this pandemic but um I, I would not say it's a concern. Look, every state's okay. local situation um, is different. Um, they, everyone is relying on the best information from the CDC and their local public health officials. But my focus is on making sure that when New Orleans opens, she will open and not have to close again. That's the biggest thing. And making sure that she can open responsibly and making sure that in her opening, she thinks about how those who are maybe most vulnerable economically can be safe and those frontline workers at grocery stores or wait staff at restaurants or uh, cleaning staff in hotels or bus drivers or others who we've discovered are our frontline are most vulnerable can, can be safe um, and sound and secure. All right.
Um, have you seen, uh, there's another, another thing that's kind of popped up in the news is um, struggles with people, with businesses getting these SBA loans. Um, have you seen any of that? And, and is, that, is that something that you guys are helping with or? Yes, I mean, sadly, unfortunately, the, the scope of the magnitude is so great, and um, you've you've seen, um, and again, we were this was uh, this whole program was built while you were flying the plane, so of course right. there's going to be need for course course correction once you get feedback, and indeed you saw that a lot of small businesses, particularly those owned by women. And our preparers of color, you know, the importance of a banking relationship uh, became in stark relief. The, 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 the necessity of making sure that you keep records so it's easy for you to get your loan documentation completed. And it, it's not an insignificant um, thing to complete that loan documentation. Um, but I am encouraged that, you know, hopefully um, by the time that this podcast is launched, there will be at least a second tranche of PPP funding that will be enacted by Congress and signed into law by the president. I suspect there will be at least two other subsequent tranches. Just the scope of the need will, 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 will necessitate that. And what we're discovering is we're becoming much smarter about what we need to have in place to help our small and medium-sized businesses um, get these documentations and get um, their fair share of these dollars. Great. Um, I wanted to pivot for a second because you do have a, a strong background in education. And, um, and that's something that when I've spoken with you before, um, you had said that you wanted to see, you'd like to see New Orleans become um, a city of lifelong learners. Yes. Um, the education landscape has obviously been hit by this like everybody else. Um, and I know we're both parents and both have kids Indeed. in school, um, that are, are, you know, going to be coming into fall behind. And, um, how do you, how do you see this? We've, we've seen this, um, I think the last I saw was like 29, uh, systems out of the 69 in Louisiana school systems were not participating in, in distance learning. And that was because of a lot of a lot of barriers there, a lot of barriers to internet connections and having the right equipment and things like that. Do you see that becoming a focus for education moving forward? And how do you, how do you see kind of from, from your background, how do you see that going? I mean, that's a tremendous question. I, I, so that's a tremendous <laughs> question. So a couple of things. I think one of the things is we think about reopening the economy. Um, you can't separate out the fact that if the, if the economy is reopened, but schools are not reopened, I know that we're getting close to what would have ordinarily been the school year. What happens to those school children? What happened to those employees or business owners who have school-aged children and are now also trying to work from home and also be virtual teachers? You got to think about that is when you think about your timing and how you reopen the economy. That's one. I think it also speaks to the need for um, broadband connectivity, make sure in rural areas as well as urban areas. Um, we have a need to make sure, um, given the price of Chromebooks and other hardware, there should not, we should not be as a, as a, as a country and certainly as a state 
struggling to make sure that young people have the, the, the base tools to even go to virtual learning or asynchronous learning. Um, but school is much more than just the dissemination of knowledge. It's also a place, socialization, social emotional intelligence for a lot of young people, too, too many young people. It's the place where they, that many of them get their only two meals of the day, breakfast and lunch. And so you have to think about, so how do we fill that gap? We also, it's a place where a lot of, some, so many kids get help with um, mental health issues and other things. Um, so I think what we realize is, is that in order to have an economy that is resilient and able to not be as exposed to these uh, pandemics, and other disasters, whether it be man-made or natural, you have to be able um, to have a diversified knowledge-based economy, which means you've got to have lifelong learners. We constantly, everyone has to be retooling. You know, I've had to figure out how to check my patients and, and work with my fourth grader. I also have had to understand how to give our 10th grader his space because, you know, he's fortunate enough to a school that has a pretty um, high level of virtual learning and not get all in his mix and, and understand how to, how to do both and juggle both while realizing that my most important job, while I love the Business Alliance, is to be a father first. We're really a husband first, but then a father. Uh, but as we talk about public education, I realize I have a certain bit of luxury. We, you know, we have devices and, and internet mm -hmm. and a lot of our friends and neighbors in New Orleans don't. So we have to really begin as we get on the other side of reopening. It's not just reopening. And one of the things I want to uh, commend Mayor Cantrell on is she's not thinking about just reopening. It's now that we've got this, she's convening this group of people. How do you think about transforming and making sure the economy is less vulnerable for people? And that's critically important. So on the, the topic of learning, um, I've been, we've been hearing from a lot of business owners about lessons they've been learning during this time, um, whether that's, um, you know, the success they've been seeing with remote work setups that they've never done or refocusing their priorities for their companies or trying out new ideas, um, getting things done that have been on their to-do list for a long time. Um, as for Nella BA, what, what have you guys, I know you guys have been kind of jumped into action, and, um, but are there lessons that you guys have learned um, during this time? I'm going to answer the question personally because, you know, there, I have 25 other colleagues, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> want to say, well, these are the lessons that, that we, the business alliance, <laughs> have learned. Um, I, so I'm going to speak personally. Um, yeah. the lessons I've learned are probably three. Um, one, how fleeting life and the economy and everything that you thought was so secure really is. And it has forced me to try to be more present for my wife, my children, my, my mother-in-law, who we're blessed to have live with us my 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 mother and my brother and 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 just my immediate family you you become much more i've become much more sensitized about the need to be present 
and not take them for granted. So I guess gratitude and not taking folks for granted. The second personal thing I realize is um, you have to really be intentional, and I haven't succeeded as, at this, is really prioritizing not everything that everyone tells you is a uh, house on pie, house on fire emergency, pants on fire emergency, really <laughs> is house on fire, pants on fire emergency. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the doing, completing our to-do list, cleaning out our email box, and we're just doing, but are we devoting our talents, our thoughts, our, our intellect, our moments of reflection to those activities gonna, that are gonna have the greatest benefit to the broadest number of people? And then the last thing I've learned is, well, two things. You, you're going to get a little lanyap here. Um, the, the one <laughs> thing I've learned is just how vulnerable, despite all the, the progress we've made um, locally in New Orleans and in the state of Louisiana, our economy is still very, very vulnerable. If you look at the four really large pillars on which the Louisiana economy and the New Orleans economy are built, you've got um, tourism, hospitality, oil and gas, uh, maritime, and agribusiness. And those first three, tourism, hospitality, oil and gas, and um, maritime, are very vulnerable in industries to pandemics and um, to something that people aren't talking about now, but we need to be thinking about, climate change. So you realize that we have to mm -hmm. more aggressively diversify. We need more DXC technology wins. We need to salute and and nurture companies like Torch and Lucid and Levelset and iSeats and Obatala Sciences and Axiosim and Cadence Geomics, all these technology companies that are emerging in, in New Orleans, um, we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate Renaissance Publishing for giving a, a platform to, to amplify and spread the good news that we are serious about business in New Orleans and in Southeast Louisiana. And, and my, my Lanyap comment is the importance of mental health. Um, throughout the darkest of times, it is critically important. Um, it's hard for people to see this, but it's something that uh, one of my favorite pastors um, told me many years ago, it could always be worse. No matter what yeah. you're going through right now, if you're still breathing, if you're still sitting upright, if you're still able to, to, to put on your own clothes and you're clothed in your right mind, you still got a pretty doggone good chance that tomorrow could be a transformative thing. And so I, I've just realized the primacy of hope and, and mental health. Um, it, it, I, I'm a person of faith, I'm a Christian. So it's, it's, I've, I've leaned on my faith and that's, that's provided tremendous comfort for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to see a, a lot of that mixed with technology and have people have the opportunity to kind of do telemedicine that way, you know, telemedicine exactly. um, where it's yep. needed and, and be able to reach out to people. And I know this is a time where if people have suffered with mental health issues, this can kind of revamp all of that um, or, you know, 
just make make it worse. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is definitely an opener, eye opener that way. Um, and I wanted to kind of, kind of, and a final point. I wanted to kind of look forward. Um, and looking forward, um, good leaders, and obviously including business leaders, um, have the ability to see the opportunity inherent in any problem. And I think, yes. so the big question right now is like, what is the opportunity for New Orleans moving forward? I know you guys were already, you know, very forward thinking as an organization and looking at the future and where we should be. But um, this kind of has, has thrown a little bit of wrench in things. Um, so what what are the opportunities here? I know people have talked about coming back to normal, but do we want to go back to normal? Is there, Are we trying to, you know, do better than that? Yeah, that that is the uh, it's a provocative question. It's the question that keeps me up at all at all hours of the night. Um, I would say we do not want to go back to normal. We want to go back to a new, better normal. We we want to use this opportunity to raise the bar. And so when we look forward, what does this tell us? We will always be a city strong tourism, hospitality, hopefully strong oil and gas strong maritime, strong agribusiness. But we need to be able to have an equally strong software development tech sector. We need to have a bioinnovation sector. I mean, I think COVID-19 has really underscored the need for public health infrastructure, uh, bringing back supply chains and, and industrial sterilization, telemedicine, digital health. But I think it also understand, uh, underscores the need for us to really look at how do we deal with some of the underlying comorbidity morbidities that affected too many of our friends and neighbors. We're realizing that we are less productive as a local economy, as a state economy, because a third of our population, largely black Louisianans, have higher than normal levels of hypertension and diabetes, not because they want it, but because of social determinants of health, poverty, isolation from opportunities, things of that nature. We need to work and progress has been made to reduce those disparities, but they still exist. So what does the future hold? What, how does New Orleans be better? I think we really need to, to, to leverage three assets that I think we don't really understand all the time. New Orleans first is a mecca of higher education. There are a lot of smart young people being educated in New Orleans every year. We've got to figure out how to leverage them, how to leverage those great universities, Dillard, Xavier, uh, Tulane, Loyola, University of Holy Cross, UNO, um, you name it, um, uh, Southern New Orleans, um, Delgado. How do you figure out how to capture the entrepreneurialism, the creativity, just the knowledge of the next generation, as well as their professors have? Second, um, New Orleans is one of 17 U.S. cities with two medical schools. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to leverage, not only have we got those, that distinction, but we've got incredible facilities, University Medical Center, Baptist Oshner, um, the VA, uh, Turo. We've got all uh, TC, uh, TC, uh, HCA Tulane. We've got all these assets. We've really got to lean in, and the Business Alliance um, has made – a big deal and a very focus on growing our bioinnovation related economic sector. And we're doing that in partnership with uh, the bioinnovation center and the city and, 
universities um, and um, in New Orleans. And I think finally, another asset that we, that, that we often forget about, um, and this is a little trickier, um, is our culture. You know, one of the things I think we all realize, um, at least I feel this way, this tragedy has allowed me time to remember why I fell in love with New Orleans in the first place. And part of it is the people, the way that, and this is why social distancing is so hard for us. We just, we literally physically <laughs> envelope people in love. We grab people, we hug people, we kiss people, we high five. And we, <laughs> it just, I mean, we're just an expressive, you feel like a part of a family. I've never, I've lived a lot of places. Um, you know, Philly is a great place. I've lived Chicago, New York. Uh, I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, but there's nothing like the way New Orleans brings you in. And I think that's what makes this social distancing so hard. So we have to remain emotionally connected and socially connected while we're physically distancing. So I think that has to be the message. Um, but I think if we, when we do this right, I'm not going to say if we do this right, when we do this right, there are even opportunities within our historical sectors to figure out how we can be better. Um, there are very lucrative niches, niches within tourism, hospitality, intellectual tourism, health and wellness tourism, cultural tourism that we've got to exploit. Um, even within maritime, I think there's opportunities to look at value-added manufacturing. I know Brandy Christian and her team at the port are really looking to do that. Um, oil and gas, you know, uh, Rick Talent, um, the, the head of Shell's operation, you know, Shell has been a, a global leader in looking at um, alternative energy sources and things of that nature and really trying to figure out and become a partner um, as, we, as we deal with climate change. So we, in, in my push and desire to see us diversify, I'm not saying we walk away, but we have to make sure that we are not laggards and, and, and being at the forward vanguard of what's happening um, with the knowledge sector, but we have to be at the leaders. New Orleans is a city of innovation and creativity. It's the only U.S. city that gave birth to a global music idiom, jazz, and a global cuisine, Creole cooking. So that, that tells you about the unique creativity that is just rampant in New Orleans. Absolutely. Um, and I wanted to just end by offering you, you know, any chance if there's a question I haven't asked or if there's something parting words um, for business people that you would you, any last thoughts. Well, first of all, I want to thank you, um, Kimberly, you've, you've just been a tremendous, uh, I, I believe the fourth estate is so tremendously important um, in this moment. And I'm just grateful to you at Biz New Orleans and, and Todd and the entire team at at Renaissance Publishing. I would say to, to folks in the business community, um, one, um, let's come together. Um, let whatever differences of opinion and frustration, let's, let's use um, discretion. Let's talk about that in-house. Um, we understand that, you know, there's a desire. Sometimes a, you, you think external pressure, but we're all in this together. We all want the same thing. So let's come under the tent Let's share our thoughts. Let's let's develop a community-wide, a region-wide, a statewide um, answer to make sure that we can respond safely and responsibly 
to ourselves, particularly our most economically vulnerable, many of those essential workers. Second, I would be remiss if I didn't thank the people who are the warriors, the heroines, the heroes, our first line um, healthcare workers, our EMTs, our firefighters, police, our doctors, our nurses, uh, our death care workers, those people who are risking a lot to keep us safe and also give honor to those who have perished um, during this season. And the final thing is, I simply believe we're going to be better on the other side of that. And I am going to do my dead level best to make sure that in my lane, my brief corner of the world, that we can get that done. And I think everybody else is going to do that. I think if we win that, if we commit to being better and better as individuals and then making sure our community is better, I think New Orleans' best days are yet to come. Wonderful. Well, hopeful as always. (laughs) Every time I talk to you, you always have a message of hope. Um, and moving forward, and I really appreciate it. And it's been a total joy to talk to you. And please continue to keep us posted on what you guys are doing. And and as things move forward, um, getting those goals accomplished. So I really appreciate your time. And um, thanks so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. Really honored. Take care. Stay thank safe. You. you too.